You are now entering the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. It is 40 going on 14, the podcast your inner child remembers. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I am Joel. And I'm Josh. And uh, I've just learned that I'm on my last life. You're on your first one, too. Yeah. I I forgot the code. (laughs) Well, that let that be a hint to you, folks. Our show this evening is about video game consoles, going from the Atari 2600 all the way up into the Xbox One. But that's like the third one, so... And beyond. Dum-dum-dum. But before we get into that, I'd like to let you know about Musings of Geek Network. Right, Josh? Oh, yeah. The Musings of a Geek Podcast Network has uh, geeky shows from all walks of life, so long as those walks are geeky. Uh, they have a show such as the uh, Arkham Social Hour, The Arrow of Time, Comic Roast, Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks, History of Bad Ideas, Moving the Needle, and How Is This Movie? And don't forget the bearded ones. How could I ever forget the bearded ones? They're so fuzzy. Also, if you want to listen to our show on Saturdays at noon where you're out, while you're out uh, parasailing or uh, saving a flaming school bus full of nuns from terrorists, you can listen to us at Geek Life Radio at noon on Saturdays. Or if you'd like to rather listen to us whenever you can, find us on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe. I'm glad you came up with another activity because I was going to ask you what kind of life you live where the only two activities are parasailing and gardening. Well, parasailing, <laughs> gardening, and then going to World Market. And if you'd like us to perform live in your living room, send us a message. We'll work something out. Yeah, that, that, that may not actually be true. I don't I know. perform in your living room. <laughs> Results you may, may not vary. like it. <laughs> it's like, may not be what you're expecting, but he'll perform something. <laughs> All right, so maybe if you want a private show at Gen Con. Yes, you can call us at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727, where you can send us listener feedback, such as... The following. Oh, hell, where'd the button go? Ah, here's one. <laughs> Way to go, dickholes. You're doing a show on the Super Bowl. You're not even going to open it up with the Bears' Super Bowl shuffle. I don't know if you did to it or not, but you should have fucking got to it already, leaving the first fucking 45 seconds of the show. Well done, dickholes. Also, uh, smelling toast. Uh, it's kind of funny. I, I hit myself in the head the other day. I slipped and I, I, I hit myself in the head with a pipe wrench. On accidentally, and uh, and I smelled Play-Doh all day long. <laughs> Not like I was walking out of a little bin of Play-Doh, sniffing it. It just everything would smell like Play-Doh, and it was the moment that it wouldn't, it would kind of like walk back in. So I was I was always surrounded by the smell of delicious Play-Doh, which I'm told is salty. I don't know. I've never had occasion to eat Play-Doh, but I imagine Patrick has some thoughts on that. Uh, you know, being Patrick. <laughs> Huh. Anyway, uh, you guys can go fuck a dick. Adequate. <laughs> what? <laughs> the what? most Charlie email he has ever sent, or voicemail he has ever sent. Oh my god. What? Wow. How is our number one fan so disturbed? <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a great voicemail. That was fantastic. <clears throat> wow. And Play-Doh does, it, ta- it, it tastes like bad dough, honestly. It's, it's like it's really, a- sal- really salty. <clears throat> 
no taste dough is well, kind of what it looks like. I was going to say, it is, it, is, it is rather salty. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, what I was have it? a uh, vintage can of Play-Doh up on my shelf that is so old, I believe the top is rusted on. Oh, wow. The old metal tops, huh? Oh, yeah. I want to say it's from the late 70s. Those nice. taste like asbestos. <laughs> we have a follow-up to that. Oh, my God. Six minutes and three seconds into episode 74. That's why you're fucking adequate. <laughs> Is that when we started talking about the Super Bowl shuffle? Must be, yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, I did say that it's the number two Super Bowl team of all time, ranked-wise and everything, but the only people still yapping about the Bears in 85 are people from Chicago. I'm from Missouri. I still talk about them. Yes, but you spent a majority of your adult, your young adult life in Chicago. I don't 13 of my 40 years. I'm Chicago. not entirely sure what yapping is. Yeah. 18 years? No. Do I yap? Okay. See, you know why the Yankees don't talk about their one championship that they won? Because they won more than one championship. What's a Yankee? <laughs> it's the uh, known enemy of the Texan. <sighs> <laughs> that was good. That was a good one. I like that, man. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> All right. He's so funny sometimes. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Here Time to go, go on adventure, boy. Let's go. <laughs> All right. We're going to go across the pond for a bit. Woo! Well, usually when I listen to your show, I understand what's going on. I may not have seen the movie or the TV show or whatever, but I know the actors or I understand the plot or have heard of it before. So you're mock <laughs> I didn't understand a single word about what you were saying. Seriously, I've never felt more confused in my life. The one thing I did understand was that you guys don't like Biodome. What's up with that? It's Biodome. Yeah, no more mock please. That's the front. Clear voicemail from Nikki from New Zealand. So she did. She purposely like made an attempt not to talk too fast for us, and I definitely appreciate that. Uh, and <laughs> how about the plot twist? I assumed she was going to be talking about American football, and then yeah, <laughs> I did too, man. Oh no, I knew I knew Mockbusters was coming the whole time because I was I was like, yeah, I, I concur with everything she. I did not see that. the twist about her going on a, that uh, she likes Biodome though. I actually liked Biodome. The I only I said as much. She, I think was any good was Son and. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Mm. Oh, wait, what was what was the one with Brendan Fraser? Tarzan? Uh, Encino Man. No, 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 George yeah, of the Jungle. Encino Man, he's absolutely right. Encino Man? Yeah, Encino Man. Man had both uh, Brendan Fraser and Pauly Shore. And Sean oh. I was thinking she was going to go with Young Young Einstein, because isn't he from New Zealand? Yahoo Serious? I thought he was from yeah. Australia. Same thing. <laughs> oh, it's like Texas and Georgia. <laughs> Dude, don't mess with Texas. All it's right. a whole other country. So we have emails. Oh, we also have one more voicemail. Oh, we have more voicemails. Nice. I have no idea what this is going to be. Awesome. Those are always fun. Okay. Uh, Clash of Clans. Uh, before I stopped playing that stupid game, I remember reading, and this was several several months ago, that uh, they were grossing about $1.18 million of profit every day. Uh, mostly, I think, through idiots who are buying gems and, and stuff like that. But they're still grossing a, an asshole full of money every day. And that's not that's above and beyond their, their operating expense. So it's it, it's ridiculous how much money that that stupid game makes. I don't play I don't play dumb games. I play Vega Conflict, but not not a dumb game. Also, uh, I wanted to throw this in. It's not the lack of understanding the rules that that athletic people hate geeks for. 
it's a lack of a physical ability to play is what they're ridiculed and joked, joked on. Because, I mean, the, uh, the, if you look at Revenge of the Nerds, the Alpha Betas were, like, beating the shit out. It's not because they didn't know, because, I mean, it's, it's, like you said, it's pretty simple to know the rules of fucking, of a game. Maybe not every little intricacy and, and strategic gem, but who, who understands all of that foolishness? It's, it's a lack of, of physical ability to play the game is why Pat hates you guys. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe not, maybe not Pat, because, I mean, I don't think he can play too much now either, but, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> wow. There, I find it very hard to disagree with anything he said in that entire voicemail. <laughs> so, you know. Well, I'm wondering I when he's know. been out of the Pro Bowl. I don't know that going to uh, Revenge of the Nerds is a definitive source of something I'm going to accept, considering oh. that's, the, that's the same film that basically if you want a girl to like her, like you, dress up as her boyfriend and rape her. <laughs> Only orally, though. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to be creepy about it. It's just oral. He he only likes original games like Words with Friends, you know, because that's original. Yeah, that was crazy. The, like, apparently Charlie has been on the show long enough that he's getting product placement. I think we experienced our first commercial there, and we're not getting a cut of it. Did we ever talk about Clash of Clans? Oh, yeah. We were talking about the uh, commercial for Clash of Clans. Oh, oh that's right. Okay. Hey, uh, Charlie, Patrick challenges you to Trivia Crack. Look him up. You'll find him. He's easy. Take him on. He is easy. Trust me. I've had him. So, Josh, is that all the voicemail we have? That is all the voicemail we have. Well, we have an email. Email. Yes. It is from Joe. <laughs> is that the sounder? That is. That's from <laughs> Joe Aberino. Well, yeah, that was that was a little Homestar runner for, I know, the History yep. of Bad Ideas guys are a fan. Yep, yep, yep. Email. It's dot com. <laughs> I ain't my sheep. Um... <laughs> So Joe Abrino says, what's up, freaks? How has this become a, a normal greeting? Well, he's not wrong. Oh, true. Okay. So uh, I think you guys should do a Kurt Russell show. From his early stuff from Disney to Escape from New York, The Thing, Big Trouble in Little China, to today's stuff like Sky High, The Art of the Steel, and Death Proof. Of course. That's a great idea. I just noticed that The Hateful Eight, Tarantino's new flick, is supposed to come out in November 2015. So maybe this should be backburnered until then, or you could do a part two. If you get the chance to check out the secondary audio track in Big Trouble in Little China with Carpenter and Russell, it's like listening to old two old friends watch a favorite movie. More current, maybe, would be to do a show about the Leprechaun franchise. The most recent one didn't include Warwick Davis, which seemed a travesty, but most of them are pretty fun. Butts to the front. Well, Joe, we've already done a Kurt Russell show. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's an awesome idea. That's a great idea. <laughs> Such a great idea, we've already done it. Yes. Now, a Leprechaun show, I think, would kill Pat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because there's like, how many, Joel? Seven? Uh, leprechaun movies? Yeah. There's, yeah, with the new one, seven. Yeah. They're all awful. Besides, we have to save something for Halloween. That's true. So, I uh. do that on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. That is. Oh. <laughs> I think <laughs> Mike fire. just deflated. <laughs> That's been lit. <laughs> Speaking of being now lit. Now he's just circling around the room. Yeah, speaking of being lit, there's no way I'm going to be in any condition to record a podcast on St. Patrick's Day, just saying. Oh, neither am I. Which should be an amazing podcast. So, hey Josh, what time is it? Oh, I think it's about that time. This weekend... Music. Movies. And TV. That was for you, Joel. And sports. <laughs> Yeah, we haven't heard that one in a while. No, it's been a little bit. 
So uh, this weekend, 1982, the release of the Atari 2600, the uh, inaugural video game system for most of us, if not all of us. Um, music! The number one song was Centerfold by the Jake Giles Band. Which is another one of those songs, if you're ever karaokeing in a bar, gets the whole crowd riled up. Um, followed by I Can't Go For That, No Can Do by Hall & Oates, which doesn't get anybody riled up. <laughs> Other than John Oates. <laughs> I'm actually pretty sure I uh, just listened to that song on uh, XM Radio. It's not a bad song. It's just not one that, you know... It's not a good song. Oh, is this your the part of your hate relationship with your love-hate relationship with John... Uh, with Daryl Hall and John Oates? Yes. I see. Mm-hmm. Now, the number one song... Oh, I'm glad you put this one in here, because I love this song. The number one song in the UK is A Town Called Malice by The Jam, which is a great... I put that in just for you, because I, I know you love that song. That is a freaking awesome song. So, if you don't know it, look up The Jam and listen to everything they do, because no. that is... That's, it is a good song. It is a great song, yeah. Um, I actually don't think I know it, and uh, that's weird, because several of my collections that I seeded my initial uh, iTunes library with were from, uh, like, uh, the UK and uh, Australia, actually. So, uh, it's surprising to me that uh, a popular act from either of those places would have, like, slipped my radar. Hmm. Uh, it's a very <clears throat> new uh, new wave poppy song. New wave poppy with one toe kind of in reggae-ish? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. A reggae beat. A little bit more of the... Actually, you know what? It reminds me more of the... um, Like a Mighty Mighty Boss Tones style. Like, okay. Like, the, yeah. So, I mean, but pre-Boss like Tones. Like to the ska kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Like, like it's ska first gen. But anyway, yeah, good so stuff. Anyway, Look it up. Um, Dark Side of the Moon celebrates its 402nd week. Oh my God! On Billboard's top LP and tapes charts, on the way to 714 weeks in the charts from 1973 to 1988. Holy shit! Okay, here's a little fun fact that's probably gonna get me hate mail. Um, I I don't like Pink Floyd. I um by all rights I should love this band just like REM but I don't and I've tried. You know what though I've discovered that Pink Floyd is actually while they're widely known is almost kind of niche in pop and in, in people who really like them. If that makes sense. I'm yeah, really- I get it. It's like when Joel says he doesn't <clears throat> like the Eagles, it personally offends me for some reason. But when he says he doesn't like Floyd, it's like okay, well I like them, but that doesn't bug me at all for some reason. Yeah. The only song I like of theirs is "Run Like Hell." That's the only song. The only song. The only <laughs> song. Really? And I don't even I like the whole song. Not liking them, but I mean, I mean, you do have to at least appreciate them musically because they've done a lot of really amazing stuff in oh, their music. Oh my god, they've, yeah, they've influenced a lot of bands that I absolutely love, but for some reason reason i've never found the one song that got me into them you know there's that one gateway song that just leads you in down this rabbit hole to where you're just falling in love with everything it just hasn't happened yet i have a feeling it will at some point i just don't know when wish Mm. wish you were here is my favorite song that's an amazing song and that's the thing is like it's it's a song that's written about um oh god his name escapes me but a member of their band that went that literally went insane and went to visit him and they just knew he was just gone he came into and and when he got released he came in to see them at the studio and nobody even recognized who he was at the beginning (laughs) so you know that was a song just written about you know an old friend that they just knew was just gone to them wow no I mean their stuff is good for honestly just if you want to just sit in a room have a drink and just listen that's what I think Dark Side of the Moon is for 
Yep. So, that's, a, that's probably pretty fair. But on the sad side, Thelonious Monk, an American jazz pianist born in 1917, born in 1917, <laughs> then died on February 17th. Irony. 1982. Aliens. The most technically... All, all the 17th three off there? Yeah, that's that kind of... Well, I'm, I'm having a rough night. I'm drinking uh, French Chardonnay out of a mason jar right now, so... And he, as a backup, he's got a bottle of vanilla extract. <laughs> <laughs> so, he was one of the most technically proficient pianists of all time and had many compositions that take years to master. He's a true virtuoso. If Phony. you ever want to uh, just kind of, speaking of getting lost in a, in a song, just look up some videos of him playing live and it's just, uh, oh, I love Thelonious Monk. Yeah, he was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Plus, he's just one of those dudes that just like, <clears throat> if you see a picture of him, you just want to like put a poster up on your wall because he's just a cool looking dude too on top of that. So. Yes. If you want to see the guy that Stevie Wonder idolized, watch Thelonious Monk. Because Stevie won't. <laughs> oh, wow, dude. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Movies! Speaking of Stevie Wonder. Movies. Released this week, Das Boot, Quest for Fire, and Missing. Death Wish 3, or 2, is released next week. Sorry, Joel. I like Das Boot. Why are you saying sorry to me? Well, no, that's, what, that's literally what it says. Him, so I threw oh. him in there just so we could at least mention it. Charlie Bronson, eh? Death Wish 2. So, Quest das Boot. for Fire. I don't remember that. Daryl Hannah? Uh, no, you're thinking that's Clan of the Cave Bear. That was last oh. week. Quest for Fire was... Serpent? No, that was um the uh, Lair of the White Worm. <laughs> no, that was Hugh Grant. Yeah, in, that was his first movie. movie. Gotta watch that again. Clan of the Cave Bear was that Daryl Hannah movie. Yeah. What's Quest for Fire, then? Who was in that? Uh, Bunch of Cavemen. That's, I think that's the one where you can play either a... Uh, uh, thief or wizard. <laughs> Ron Perlman, or, isn't it? I think it was a, originally known as Backdraft. Like I said, it was it was a French movie um, adapted from the 1911 Belgian novel. Ooh. Yep. Victor Jory, who died on February 12th, was a Canadian-born American actor of stage, film, and television. Initially a romantic lead, he was later mostly cast in villainous or sinister roles, like oh. Jonas Wilkinson of Gone with the Wind and Oberon in A Midsummer Night's Dream. Later on, he had the lead role in a te- television police drama, Manhunt. I still don't know who this dude is. Me either, but he had a fairly, <coughs> fairly decent resume. Yes. And to do finish out the triumvirate of death that is the T- TMI, the famous acting coach and acting school founder Lee Strasberg dies at 81 on February 17th. I don't know who that yay. is. Either. Yeah. Well, nay, yay. Oh, sorry. Well, he was 81. <laughs> Boo. Boo. Oh, no, I think it's more of an aw. Boo. 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 Right. <laughs> no. Down with Lee Strasberg. TV. Dallas. Three's Company <laughs> and the Boo. Jeffersons are the top three in ratings. Six, oh, I'm sorry. Top four in ratings with 60 Minutes being the last one. Yeah, that's a an weird awkward combination. Sense. Why didn't you just say 60 Minutes... I don't know. I, I, was, I was trying to like only focus on the sitcoms, and then I just realized, well... Because well, Dallas is such well, a sitcom. But then 60 Minutes has Mickey Rooney. That's kind of a sitcom, mini sitcom. Who shot JR? <laughs> Do you ever think about people that ride the bus? Now you know why I usually just cut and paste these sentences instead of typing them out myself. Right. Uh-oh, we got a twofer. Yes, we do. <laughs> On the acronym of the week, this week is the premiere of JLC and S&S. Well, JLC, of course, would be the Jamaican Labrador Collie, everyone's favorite Rastafarian dog breed. And S&S would be Snakes in Strasbourg, where Lee Strasbourg is tormented by serpents. Because he's evil. Down with Lee Strasbourg. Boo! 
I always, um, I always thought JLC was Justice League Connecticut. <laughs> that's a terrible. That's a terrible show. All about the the rich relatives of the superheroes. <laughs> Let's go buy some jam. Um, no, that would be SNS, Simon okay. and Simon. Yes, very good. I actually didn't have anything ready for SNS <laughs> until I decided to boo Lee Strasberg. <laughs> JLC. Um. um oh. James Leon Curfew. I don't know who James <laughs> Leon is. Uh. Jazz likes Coltrane. What? I don't know what it is. What is it? Something loves something. Oh, Johnny loves Hachi. Oh, there you go. Uh, really? Yep. Wow. I thought they came out earlier. Did you ever see the Simon and Simon Johnny loves Crotchy? <laughs> Johnny loves Crotchy. Yes, she does. Johnny loves Johnny loves Crotchy and Simon. Johnny Johnny loves Crotchy twice on Tuesdays. Lee Strasberg doesn't approve. <laughs> I was going to say they're crossover show, but that's funnier. Oh, so. my God. Okay, um, so Natalie Dormer, an English actress, <laughs> is born on February 11th, 1982. She is best known as Marguerite Tyrell on Marjorie? Marjorie Tyrell on Game of Thrones. Perhaps you've heard of it. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. She was also uh, cast as Anne Boleyn in... Oh, the other Boleyn. Is that the movie? The, no, The Tudors, the show. Yeah, The oh. Tudors. Yeah, that's right. What am I thinking? Not about the, not about the people that fart. That's a different show called The oh, Tudors. Oh, okay. <clears throat> You're thinking of Anne Canfield. <laughs> On February 16th, Lee Majors and Farrah Fawcett Majors divorce. And Lee Majors, one of his worst decisions. And then you can put your poster back up. Time for Lee Strasberg to move in. Get Farrah Fawcett on the bounce. Farrah Fawcett Majors Strasberg. How does that sound? (laughs) What the hell is wrong with us? This time I started it. (laughs) Sports. February 2nd, 1982. Wait. This is sport. I got to get a drink. Okay, I'm good. On February 2nd, Wayne Gretzky scores his 153rd point of season, breaking the NHL record. He ended the 1981-82 season with records of 92 goals, 120 assists, and 212 points in 80 games, becoming the only player in NHL history to break the 200-point mark. That's friggin' amazing. All on ice skates, which is impressive. Well, yeah, and if you've seen a hockey game, you know the average scores are not that high. We're not talking like basketball scores here. No. We're talking games where like a three to two win is not uncommon. Yeah, that's an amazing game then. All right, February 10th, 1982 in Bromont, Quebec. A group of 28 skiers perform simultaneous backflips while holding hands to get into the Guinness Book of World Records. It's an oddly specific record. Yes. <laughs> well, it used to be 26. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Turner, running back from the Atlanta Falcons on the NFL, is born on February 13th. Oh, nice. Jameer Nelson, journeyman guard in the NBA, is born on February 9th, and Joni loves Crotchy. <laughs> Thanks, Joel. You're welcome. Ew. <laughs> All right, so... There are few points in our young lives that reach the apex of unwrapping our Christmas gifts or birthday gifts and seeing our first Nintendo or Atari 2600 or whatever game console that we are just dying for. You can go online and look up pictures of kids unwrapping game consoles and... It's just a standard across the ages. You get the same look, the same, oh my god, I can't believe they actually got it for me, and panic and freak out, and oh my god, I love you. Unless you got them a 3DO, and then you got Stairs of Death. (laughs) (laughs) There's only four games for the system. What am I going to do with this? (laughs) And one of them is Pong. Mike was excited until he started playing math. Uh (laughs) Aww. 
Now, the idea of video game consoles dates all the way back to the 1950s, where you've got the first video games appearing on the old massive computers that you'd have on vector displays. But a guy by the name of Ralph H. Bayer had this idea. He was going to bring the video game into people's houses, and he worked on it for almost 20 years. Uh, all the way down from the early 50s through the, to the 1960s, when he was working for a company called Sanders Associates, he had these the ideas of consoles that could be hooked up to your television. And one of them was uh, nicknamed the Brown Box. It had different game modes and modules that could be plugged in. And it was demonstrated to several TV manufacturers ultimately a leading to the agreement between Sanders Associates and Magnavox to produce the Odyssey in 72. Yes, so the Magnavox Odyssey was the first home video game console which could be connected to a TV set. His initial design had called for a huge row of switches that would allow gamers to turn off and on certain components, but the Odyssey lacked a CPU to create slightly different games like tennis, volleyball, hockey, and chase. Magnavox replaced the switch design with separate cartridges, and although Bayer had sketched up ideas for cartridges that could include new components for new games, the carts released by Magnavox all served the same function as the switches and allowed gamers to choose from the Odyssey's built-in games. Yeah, so instead of the uh, games being stored on the carts, the games were actually part of the system, and the cartridges basically just relay the programming instructions. What a long, strange trip it's been. Oh my, yes. Uh, 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 I don't think any of us had an Odyssey, though. Mm-mm. No. I left that to Homer. My um, my cousin had an Odyssey. That's the only remembrance I have of it, is playing uh, the... Um, Space Invaders clone of it and the skiing clone, that sort of thing from uh, from it when we visit them on uh, holidays. It's interesting that you should bring that up because my entire early video game home experience was holidays at a cousin's house. Like, I eventually got an Atari 2600, which is the first console it looks like all of us owned, but I didn't get one until I was like 20. Really? Yeah. Really? I, Maya, I know you guys have always known me as a video gamer, but my mom was not big on the whole idea of video games. She thought they were a waste of time and money, and I didn't actually have a video game system in my home until the Nintendo Entertainment System. And then I was never heard from again. 20 years old is when you got ungrounded anyway. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about the 2600. 2600 came out on September 11th, 1977. Coincidence? I think not. Aliens. Aliens. (laughs) I'm not saying aliens. But aliens. (laughs) So that was my first one. That was like the, the, you know, if you want to talk about your gateway drug, the Atari 2600 was it for me. No kidding. So, Joel, what did you play? Uh, My favorite games were uh, Tank, uh, Night Driver, and um, later on, I believe it was on the 2600, Kool-Aid Man. Kool-Aid Man, sweet. Uh, It actually was, yeah, yeah. I, I just remember it was a different cartridge than all the rest because all of them were the black, you know, rounded edges cartridge. Just was like kind of silvery and it, it would totally look different than all the other cartridges. But it was a fun game. But uh, Night uh, night Driver, was it Ice Driving or nice Night Driver? Night Driver. There was one where you drove on ice. So was that on Night Driver? Yeah, there was a different mode. I just remember that. Uh, and I, I actually made a joke about this not too long ago. Well, not a joke, but I commented on this during the snowstorm recently that I learned all my skills driving in, in cold weather from that game. <laughs> um, and then... T- one joystick and a red button. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a good driver on the ice and snow. But Tank, though, was just fun because playing against somebody else, I mean, there was kind of a strategy involved to some extent, you know, shooting squares out of your... Uh, 
Now, tank, tank. tank or combat? Oh. Because I know combat had... Combat. <clears throat> yeah, it was combat, dude, because combat had, like, tanks and planes. No, this was just tanks, where you had, like, a little huh. sort of a maze there, there sort of two, thing. There were two different games, yeah. Oh, but yeah. I, I, it was a better one, because it had all the different ones you could play. No, this was just with the tanks. It was only tanks. Huh. And I remember driving around, like, this maze-type thing, trying to shoot the other guy, and it was uh, a two-person game, and I, and I always thought that was fun. Hmm. I had a good time with that. Now, one of the things that actually... Mm-hmm. One of the companies that I discovered at this time... Oh. What? Joust. I forgot about Joust. Joust. God damn it, I love Joust. A I Joust on Joust. Atari 2600? Uh, yeah, it was a late one, though. It was yeah, a late one. It must have been yeah, a late one. We're like going out on the market. They put that out to try to like make a push for the market share. And See, it didn't really work. Yes, was so Joust cool. was 1983 licensed by Williams Electronics. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ooh, I had, Pitfall. Why am I remembering all these games late now? Damn it. Pitfall. I had a list. Um, Pitfall. Now, here's here's the thing. I remember playing a game that was almost kind of like Star Trader-ish, but it actually used that nine key or the ten key control pad that you got with it where you had the, you could key in the different uh, coordinates. You'd travel to different spots and you'd come across what are supposedly not unnot Klingons. It's a little bit more in-depth than a, than your standard game because it actually used a, a joystick and the, the, ten, the ten keypad. I don't know what game you're talking about. Yeah, and I don't remember the ten keypad. Me really? either. Um, well, let's see. Is that like a math add-on? <laughs> Well, the Atari 2600 did have Math Grand Prix. See, I'm telling you, there was a fucking math game. <laughs> math Grand Prix. <laughs> Quick, calculate the speed so you don't crash. One of the uh, launch titles was called Starship, which was renamed to Outer Space. But I don't think that's the one you're talking about. Maybe Star Raiders? I think think it might have been Star Raiders, yes. Because this one, the, the keypad itself was a separate joystick from everything else, and it was just a almost like a big fat calculator. And you can key in coordinates, and you can rate, you know, it was like you were controlling shields and doing all sorts of cool stuff with it. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's Star Raiders. Yeah, then that's it. Star Raiders, I mean, it was one of, again, one of my, my crack games on the 2600, along with just straight up playing with my mom's Space Invaders. Two-player Space Invaders. It's hard to beat Space Invaders. It, it is. Really is. It it really, a fun yeah. Game. Or um, Missile, you know, the, Missile did Command. Did you know a fun fact about Space Invaders? <clears throat> oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to read Pat's mind. That originally they were not meant to go speed slow up, and yeah. go speed up. It, as they more characters got destroyed on the screen, the process were able to handle it better and they got faster. No, that's not what I was going to say. No, that's <laughs> exactly what I was going to say. How many of us stood in line to get Pac-Man? Really? A line? There was a line. I never, I don't think I owned it, so I don't remember that. Oh, are you kidding, man? I When I when I had my 2600, I was begging for games. We had all sorts of, I mean, even the Activision games, which is my introduction to Activision back when they gave a damn. Um, the uh, more you pilot the submarine around. I think my Pac-Man was on one of those little separate consoles that looked like a little arcade machine. Mm-hmm. It was plastic, and you could hold it in your hand. I think that was how I had Pac-Man. Oh, yeah. No, this... Um, this Pac-Man was the one, the standard Atari, where everybody got it and expected Pac-Man, but they got this really terrible version of it, but we, <laughs> nobody really wanted to talk about it then. Pac-Man. Yeah. With umlauts. It was, it was pretty bad. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it was a license from Namco, and that was their big thing that they had to get sorted, is a lot of the big popular arcade titles were ones that Atari didn't actually have the rights to. Mm-hmm. Now, in talking with 
about video games with the family over this last week. Suzanne, my wife, they had a TV that actually had video games built in. Wait, what? Yeah. Crazy. I know. And she was like, yeah, we, she's like, yeah, we had Pong. And just, you know, you had Pong controllers and you can use the controllers that were wired to the TV. I'm like, did it, you know, it changed over and you could play Pong? She goes, no, no, it was weird because you didn't, it wasn't able to put up like the barriers. So they had like a plastic layover oh, that yeah. they, would, they would put over the TV and then play Pong with that. I know what you're talking about. I saw that. There's a great documentary about video games and they, they talk about that. Yeah, she World. had one of those, which I thought was pretty cool. That's going way back there. Yes. So Patrick had an Intellivision. Oh, hang on. We're, <laughs> wait, we're, wait. Not, we're not yeah. done with everybody's favorite games on uh, 2600. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, Josh. What about you, man? Uh, for me, the go-to game that I would like ignore presents at Christmas to keep playing at my uh, cousin's house was Minor 2049. Oh, oh my God. Shit, that's an awesome that game. game. So good. I'm not familiar with that one. Oh. oh. Basically, I mean, in some ways, it's like a more involved, almost a burger time game because your mining was wherever you walked. So, like, you would change the color of wherever you were walking from, like, blue to gold or whatever. Yeah, it was kind of like burger time mixed in with um, Ladybug. Yeah, with almost a little bit of Donkey Kong-ish action going on there, too. Just a very, very good game. It was another one that was licensed from a company called Big Five Software. This is a 1983 game, uh, and it had a very Donkey Kong-ish first couple of levels where you've got the different platforms connected by uh, ladders. You're playing a character known as Bounty Bob. So yeah, you're inspecting every section of the mine in search of the evil Yukon Johan. <laughs> <laughs> Which, when you said that, that that struck a chord and it reminded me of another game that I used to play. Do you guys remember Haunted House? Oh, with the ghost? Yes. Oh, yeah. Haunted House and then Adventure. Grab the key and run. Oh, yeah, the original adventure with the yeah. dragon that looked like a duck. Yep, duck dragon, <laughs> grab the key. All right, now here's a question. How many of you had Superman? No. I played Superman. I, I did not own it, but that was another one I played, and it was actually pretty good. Uh, I remember you had to, like, uh, fly around the pieces of the bridge. Mm-hmm. There was a bridge you had to rebuild at the whole at the same time you had Lex Luthor redestroying the bridge every time that you put stuff together. There were only, like, three or four parts to it. And then in the meantime, Lois Lane would fall off the bridge so you had to like catch lois lane save her put her somewhere safe and then go stop lex luther only by just like walking over crossing over him like pushing the red button when you touch him and then you grab him put him a whole bunch of screens away from you grab the bridge and the whole goal was to just put the bridge back together which is ironically the same as superman 64 <laughs> basically it's the same game except they had more fog Oh. I don't know if you guys ever played some of the more obscure horror titles, uh, such as Halloween or Friday the 13th. No, but I've heard, I've seen them and I've heard about them. I've never played the 2600 Friday the 13th. I have played the NES Friday the 13th, though. Oh, yeah. We will certainly be getting to that because it's one of my favorites. Nice. But you guys I remember. remember. You guys remember a game called Laser Blast? I remember the movie. No, there was, it was a game for the Atari Laser Blast where you were in a UFO and there were like three little uh, tank type things on the ground that you had to like fly over and shoot down and you go to the next screen there's three more and bing 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 just keep trying to shoot them down while they're trying to shoot you down incredibly repetitive and incredibly boring but my father loved that game and I remember like one time he decided he was going to sit there and play that game until you know as long as he could because he used to always just quit <laughs> and he ended up scoring like 400,000 on that stupid game or something before he finally got killed enough wow yeah, yeah looking at the uh, article online about laser blast uh, your dad quadrupled the points required to be admitted to the active 
Activision Federation of Laser Blasters. Oh, oh my damn. god, he could have gotten a patch. Damn. Yeah. Players who scored 100,000 points or more could submit photographic proof to Activision and be admitted to the Activision Federation of Laser Blasters. Dude, there's a how many patches could there's we have? There's a Polaroid in the house somewhere of that final score that he had. Dude, how many patches could we have gotten with Photoshop? <laughs> I don't know. I was never very good at Photoshop on the 2600. I know, right? It was hard. <laughs> anyway, you were saying, Josh, so the, t- the haunted, the core horror titles. Oh, I just had fond memories when I discovered emulation of uh, playing Halloween, where you're a babysitter trying to protect the kids from Michael Myers. Was that a, tw- that was a 2600? Yep. Really? Huh. Yeah, there are. Basically, I think most of the horror games were reskins of each other, because uh, I'm pretty sure the same company also did Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Hmm. I must have been at a weird point in my life because she wouldn't get <laughs> my mom wouldn't get me the the uh, Friday the Thirteenth or those. Matthew, go watch RoboCop. Yeah. Michael, Matthew no, could watch RoboCop. I couldn't get shit. <laughs> You'll yeah, play I, math until I say so. Company I don't called, want to corrupt your mind, Ma- Michael, so you can't play this. Go in the other room and watch RoboCop, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, except in uh, the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre game, you're actually playing Leatherface trying to murder trespassers. Ooh, I like that. Oh. It is one of the first horror video games in existence. Wow. That's still really interesting. Very fondly. Well, if we're going to talk about Atari 2600 games. Oh, boy. Are you going to talk about Custer? I am so going to talk about Custer. Oh, goodness. Yeah, really getting into the uh, controversy. Custer's Revenge. Yes. Pat, you know about this one? This seems like right up your Texan alley. Mm Mm-hmm. There was Custer's Revenge, and then there was another version of Boom, where he had the mad bomber on the top of the screen dropping the bombs. He had to use little the little... Uh, and he would cackle. <laughs> yeah, and you had, to dr- you had to move the buckets to catch the bombs. Do you remember that game? Well, oh, yeah, a, and were... I remember the porn version that you're about to talk about. Yeah, there was a porn version where there's a dude just spunking it out, and you play. there was a woman at the bottom that had to catch it all. What Very the... realistic. What the hell? <laughs> I don't know. What was that? I, well, I, I mean, that just says if you make it, the porn will come. Well, I mean, and then Custer's Revenge was even worse, where there was pretty much literally a rape button. Yes. Yeah. Of a Native American tied to a pole. Yes. And you had to avoid arrows and cacti. Oh! oh which just made me think of Barnstormer. Well, that was a great game. That that was a cross. That was that multi-platform game, if I remember correctly. That was a great one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we talked about a couple of these way back in our second episode on, uh, on video games. Yeah, I think we did. So, uh, on to Intellivision? Yes, which leaves us with Patrick. I loved my Intellivision. <laughs> Most people that I talk to don't even know don't even know what I'm talking about. They don't remember this system, but my father bought it and not a whole lot of people had it, played it, whatever, but we played the crap out of it. We had all kinds of games. It really wasn't a very good system. It was a rectangular remote type thing that you would hold, and it had a circular thing on the bottom that you would rotate around, but it, it, it was like a, a disc on a pivot point, and you just kind of moved it. You didn't really, like, circle it or anything, and then there was a keypad above it. So all you could do was control everything with the little round thing, and you would enter things in in the keypad. Not a whole lot of interaction, not a whole lot of real solid graphics or anything, but the games were just fun. I remember playing that game because my cousins, again, the cousins, had Tron. I liked that game in the arcade, but I don't remember playing it on the, any home systems. Well, it was perfect for the Intellivision because it had that disc on the on the remote, on the, on the mm-hmm. thing. I can't think of the name of it now. Yeah, apparently the keyboard, uh, which was supposed to be a big part of the Intellivision, was delayed so many times <laughs> that uh, in his early career, Jay Leno uh, performed at uh, Mattel's Christmas party in 1981. And his big joke that went over for the night was, you know what the three big lies are, don't you? Check is in the mail. I'll still respect you in the morning. And the keyboard 
will be out this spring. Wow. <laughs> That's Would great. you believe I'll host the Tonight Show someday? Huh. I'm just saying. Sorry. Should I go back to my Jar Jar impression instead? No. I didn't even, I didn't even know Gilbert Gottfried hosted the Tonight Show. <laughs> <laughs> I almost tried to do a Gilbert Gottfried impersonation. You guys should be happy. <laughs> ColecoVision. Drink, drink more. None of us had a ColecoVision. My neighbor had a ColecoVision. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, because I know you are you are the other video game historian here. Did or did not the Smurfs game on the ColecoVision have an Easter egg that if you got to the end of the level and did not rescue Smurfette, she would take off your dress and then punch you? That may be the strangest sentence I've ever said in my life. Yeah, because why would Smurfette <laughs> take off your dress? Her dress. I don't remember that. I've never heard of that. I don't know. I've All heard right. that the Smurf game had some sort of weird thing with it, but I don't know what it was. Let's see. <laughs> ColecoVision Smurfette glitch. Uh, let's see. I've never even seen a ColecoVision. I don't know if I would know what one looked like if I saw it. I remember the ads for it in like the comic books. Uh, apparently, if you leave, it was a glitch. It's uh, if you were supposed you were supposed to in the last scene of the game rescue Smurfette, and the Easter egg is if you leave the final screen and go back to the previous screen, uh, the t- a glitch happens where f- uh, Smurfette flashes you for a split second. It looks like the top of her blouse disappears. Well, there you go. Man, we were hard up before the days of the porn <laughs> internet. Porn. <laughs> Didn't uh, take much. Like a pixel of a booby on Smurfette. Dude, that's like better than scrambled porn. Don't you knock scrambled porn. Cinemax. Could be a boob. Could be a bald head. Doesn't matter now. (laughs) I'm already finished. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And the next system. Eel. Yes. Is something else because I accidentally closed my show notes. Super. It's a straight up Nintendo entertainment system. NES. We're reaching into the second generation because this is after the golden age of video games and after uh, basically Atari's implosion made people think that home video games weren't going to be a thing anymore. Uh, quality was rapidly decreasing. Uh, you had all of the shovelware, which made people suspicious about whether or not buying video games was a good idea or not anymore. Yeah. Screw you, Sears. So, and then, of course, you had the E.T. debacle. Well, does, okay, the E.T. debacle, that was one thing. And does anybody else remember all the crap games that Sears was putting out? No one. No. No. Like like the catalog the game? Yeah, they used to have, like, <laughs> see, yeah, it was catalog the game. Here's the lingerie section. Now hide in the bathroom until your mom comes knocking. Um, <laughs> and try to pretend you don't like the plus-size models. I'm playing math. I'm playing math. <laughs> no, there used to be... Um, Yes, they had like value games. One of the things that <laughs> like black label games. Yeah, they were called they were called telegames. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it was it was uh, let's see. So like Kool-Aid Man, they had Tang Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um but no, they I mean that was one of the people that led to the fall of in my total opinion is that is the Sears crap is that they came out with a bunch of stuff that was just like, "Here, yeah, they have combat. Now they they've got, you know, Sears made Combert." <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that game was awesome. Come along, Bort. <laughs> Combert. See, I got this image of a tank jumping up and down a pyramid, <laughs> landing <laughs> on a snake. <laughs> so I'm looking at Atari2600.com price guide. And apparently, from the manufacturer Menavision, the game Air Raid Complete Inbox goes for $31,000. I'm glad I've got six copies of it. What? What the hell? Wow. Pepsi Invaders goes for two grand. I didn't realize there was something called that. We're talking about Nintendo. Well, we're kind of talking about the crash that led to the second uh, generation of video games, which would have been brought back by Nintendo, yes. Yeah, I want to see how much math was was worth. There's not an NES version of that. No? No, there was Donkey Kong Jr. math, however. Ah, there, see? 
do you add barrels? How do you, what is that? Uh, I actually played Donkey Kong Jr. Mass a little bit. It was not a particularly good game. Uh, you had Donkey Kong putting up an equation at the top, and uh, there were all these kind of vines you had to climb up, very similar to Donkey Kong Jr., but uh, in addition to the enemies, there would be numbers that you were able to grab, and you had to like plug in the missing spot to make the equation come out right to gain points. That's Learning is fun. Yeah, it was not good. That's messed up. Okay, so NES. We're going to jump past the crash? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much... I think we've talked a little bit about why the crash happened. Uh, and basically, this little family computer known as the Famicom in Japan uh, was gaining all of this popularity to the point where before we even saw NES uh, released in homes, some of those games were making it into the arcades, and that scene had never completely died. Uh, you'd have... I want to say punch out was in the arcades at that point uh i know super mario brothers had made it to the arcades Mm -hmm. and people were clamoring for the uh, famicom to come to the u.s where it was released as the nintendo entertainment system they didn't actually want it they called it an entertainment system because they didn't want uh the stigma that came with calling it a video game console Mm -hmm. and then yeah my life changed oh yeah because I got my NES, and I've got the NES, didn't get Rob, but I got Mario Brothers and Zelda. <clears throat> and that was the end of it. I was up at 5 a.m. before school, hiding in the living room, trying to play one more section, of one more dungeon of Zelda before I got to school. Yeah, I still have flashbacks to uh, playing Legend of Zelda, Legend of Zelda 2, and Fester's Quest uh, upstairs at my house in Cicero with the Beach Boys playing on the record player. Like sometimes. It's Fester's Quest? Fester's, Fester's Quest. Quest. Yes, Fester's the Adams Quest. Family game. And that was huh. by. Uh, wait, crap. I'm trying to remember the. Something yeah, Soft. Family. What's Who made that one, Josh? Fester's Quest was. Was that Ocean Software? Uh, it was probably? Ocean. Yeah, Ocean Software. The same people that did. No, it wasn't Ocean. It was Sunsoft. Sunsoft. That's right. Those they both made, sound like lotion companies. They made Sunsoft made some great freaking games. They did Blaster Master. Oh yeah, Ooh, that was a good one. That was an amazing game. They that was had, fun. Yeah, they did Fester's Quest. What else did they do? They did a bunch of games. I just know that I just knew that when I went to go rent them at the video game uh, video games uh, section over the at the uh, store on the corner, I always can almost count on getting something good. They also did the Batman NES game. Uh, nice. Yeah. Uh, Blaster Master, Clock Tower. Well, that's later on, though. Yeah, and that's... later they did Arrow the Acrobat. Yeah. Charlie's favorite game. So, but yeah, I, my first two games were Super Mario Brothers and Legend of Zelda, and that was the end of it for me on that one. Yeah, Super Mario Brothers. I, in a lot of ways, like I think I've died at every single spot you can in level one one. Like I've just played that first level so many times, hundreds of thousands of iterations. Yep. Yeah, I, I, uh, Super Mario Brothers definitely was my gateway drug on that one, which led to, uh, part two, part three, or wait, no, part two, um, Bound of Commando. We talked about that previously. One of my all time favorite games. Um, I, I used to come home from school and that was the first thing I did. I go, go up to my room, turn on the Nintendo and just play the crap out of whatever game I was in the mood for, mm-hmm. for hours. Or if you reach, you get one of those games that didn't have like Mario Brothers, you don't, can't save on it and you leave it running and hope to God your mom did not turn it off in the middle of the day. <laughs> or who remembers blowing in the cartridge because it didn't work? Yes. <laughs> Pat, why did you not have an NES? Uh, I still play on Laser the, Blast. No, by the time we were done with the television, my father bought a uh, PC, and we just kind of got into PCs big time and didn't even buy any more console games. Oh. Uh, huh. That's interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah. My dad and I used to play all the you know Police Quest, King's Quest games together, things like that. You're getting all fancy games. with the 3.5 discs, huh? Yep. I remember when we bought Police Quest 5 and it was like, like 17 3.5 discs. We're like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, looking back to the NES days, some of my favorite games were kind of obscure. We already talked about Friday the 13th, where you're playing a legion of campers attempting to find various items to be able to, like, find Jason's mother and destroy her before he picks each one of you off. And each of the campers had slightly different abilities. And you also had to protect uh, the kids because uh, you were basically the, f- I want to say, four or five counselors. Mm-hmm. Camp counselors. And, yeah, and if Jason encountered you, he would either encounter you in the first person kind of exploration of interiors or the side-scrolling running through the woods. And he was hard as hell to avoid in the running through the woods. Like, if you saw him, there's a good chance you just lost that camper. Oh, yeah. And if you if you wound up on, like, the side the side-scrolling one where you, your whole, whole defense against Jason was throwing a rock. Yep. <clears throat> yep. Turn it that off. Start over. No, it wasn't. It no, wasn't. You could find the uh, slingshot, which gave you a little bit of a chance, but in general, uh, there was a machete, which gave you a little bit of a fighting chance but knocking down jason just does that it puts him out of commission and buys you more time to uh find the other items and try and find the cave where his mother is yeah it's pretty much a murder simulator except yeah. you're on the wrong you're on the wrong end of it uh, another favorite of mine was destiny of the emperor Ooh, uh, really i think i may have talked about before is that like um nobunaga's ambition uh, it is more of a traditional Final, Final Fantasy slash Dragon Warrior style JRPG, only you're playing through the classic Romance of the Three Kingdoms Chinese epic uh, historical uh, novel. Sweet. And uh, it's one of the reasons why like, a lot of people who are well-versed in Chinese history and Chinese literature, they're surprised that I know who like Lu Bei, Zhang Fei, Lu Bu, who all these people are. And it's because I played the hell out of this game. I... Uh, Never owned it, but uh, it was a game that I rented, would check out again as long as I could until somebody put a hold on it. I want to say I rented that game like five or six consecutive times. Wow. Yeah, and one thing that made it interesting is you had your standard party screen, but your hit points represented soldiers that each of your guys had under their command. Nice. See, I played uh, Nobunaga's Ambition on that one and on the Game Boy, and I loved it. I mean, it just the ability, you know, controlling the, you know, where you were allocating resources and, you know, making sure that the, the peasants were happy, making sure that the royalty was happy and all that. And then somebody pointed out to me that I was just doing math, and then I had, <laughs> then I had, then I had math flashbacks. Thanks. Yeah. Man. I mean, in a lot of ways, Crusader Kings 2 that I've talked about at length is the modern equivalent of the Nobunaga's Ambition style of game yeah i could see that those old koai i'm playing an individual ruler and practicing grand strategy and trying to keep nobles happy right shall we shall we move on absolutely else has anything because i know nes is big for us anybody Joel, Pat? I'm pretty much done for the rest of this half (laughs) (laughs) sega genesis open christmas Sonic the Hedgehog pack-in and Fantasy Star 3. Mm, They didn't see me for three weeks. Who was those? It was was their grand scheme. Yes. I I dread to think of what happened in the rest of the house during those three weeks, but... Let us not forget Altered Beast and uh, Ghouls and Ghosts. Uh, I actually didn't put my initials on this one, but I owned a Genesis briefly. Really? Yeah, I forgot that I actually traded in my... uh, When Funko Land first opened up, I traded in my NES and, like, no joke, 200 cartridges 
for Genesis and uh, a few games, including Toe Jam and Earl. Oh, Toe Jam and Earl was awesome. Like that one. <laughs> Why did you do that? Just out of curiosity, what what was the I mean? Process? At the time, it seemed like a good deal. It was like I wasn't playing the Nintendo anymore. It was an out of date system. They weren't going to be making games for it anymore pretty soon. I actually had already played uh, one of the final games that was released for the system, which would have been Robin Hood: Prince of Thieves. For the same reason, I traded in my Xbox and 60 games along with, um, well, we'll get to that, but I made the same mistake. Uh, Sega Genesis, for me, was awesome. It was the one I brought to college and the one that we played Mortal Kombat on in my room. And Shadowrun. Shadowrun, which I still have. (laughs) Yeah, the Shadowrun. That was the only time I played a console in all of college was to play Shadowrun on the Genesis. Well, here's the one you played NBA Jam with us. Yeah. You remember playing NBA Jam, turn around, hey, Jay, what time is it? I said I forgot about NBA Jam. NBA Jam, what time is it? Daytime. It's daytime. (laughs) Shit. It was 11. Seven o'clock when I walked in here. <laughs> like you mean like tomorrow? <laughs> Boom shakalaka from downtown. Yeah, I was gonna it's say because when we t- uh, well, we're about ready to talk about the Super NES. We'll come back to the Turbo Graphics. Okay, but uh, in college, the two big systems were Mike's Genesis and my Super NES, and like everyone was playing Street Fighter Two. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Mortal Kombat. Toasty. Yeah, Mortal Kombat. Absolutely. NBA Jam was another popular one, and I think we even had like a Tecmo Bowl league. Yep. We had what, was Tekken going. 2 on one of those? Uh, no, Tekken 2 didn't come around until the uh, PS uh, PlayStation 1. Oh, damn. Okay. Because that was one of the first games I bought for it. Okay. Yeah, our, our fighting game of choice was Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition. I, I own right. both the original and the Championship Edition, but that's where you get... Thunderhawk and uh, hmm. who's the guy who freaked who looked like Bruce Lee who had the two dildos at the end? Feng uh, <laughs> Lee. Feng Lee, yeah, yeah, that's right. Ah, where did I get these dildos from? Uh, that was also the first uh, uh, appearance of Cammy uh-huh. and DJ <laughs> Maracas. All right, so around the, around the circle, Josh, who's your Street Fighter character? Oh, it's always been Ryu. Right on, Pat. E Honda. Joel? Oh, tough call. Um, it's either Dalsim or Zangief. I always played Cammy because fucking Jay took Chun-Li. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and he never let her go. <laughs> Fei Long, not Feng Li. Fei Long, yes. Oh, okay. No, you were really close. And I, I was like, yeah. you know, that sounds almost right. I think it's funny that the four of us had different characters, though, that we, like, frequented. And nobody said Blanca. Well, after a while, you guys wouldn't let me play Ryu, so I had to learn all of the characters. That's true. We banned him from playing Ryu. Yeah, Yeah. and you kicked our ass with all the other characters anyway. Uh, Well, then I took took Ken, and you guys realized that I was just screwing around because they're basically the same (laughs) characters. Right. Well, He's I just, just wearing to, different pajamas. I just remember wanting to, to learn to play the characters nobody wanted to play, so I'd never have to argue, you know, for who I got. And nobody liked Zangief because he was too slow and Dalsum was too slow. Yeah. But he had that range attack, and, and Zangief is just so damn strong that if you got close, I mean, you're toast, man. There was a point, uh, you were bringing up Jay, when he was playing Chun-Li and I was playing Ryu, there was a point where it almost didn't come down to manipulating the controllers again. We both got so good at our preferred characters that that match between the two of us was almost a chess game. 
I, I knew his that. opening moves. He knew mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, watching you guys fight that game, you guys were both, it was fun to watch you guys play. Yeah. I have to agree with that. So jump back real quick to Turbo Graphics. Yeah. Bonk's Adventure. Uh-huh. I think Bonk's is the only game I had. I might have also had Alex Kidd. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. There was a like a Zelda clone that I had for it also. And I remember yeah. my friend Chris had uh, Here's Ugg's Vi, which was a kind of like a Warcraft sort of game where you had to build armies, separate armies, and you would attack each other. But it was like a game where you had to build everything up. You couldn't just That go. was a hex a hex based game. Now some of the yeah. other really good ones that came out came across on there was like my the one that I was thinking of was called Newtopia, which okay. is a top down uh game. There also had Devil's Crush, which is a amazingly good pinball game. And Legend- not a bad soda. That too. And <laughs> Uh, Splatterhouse. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking. That's the other big, besides Bonk. Bonk and Splatterhouse were basically the pillars of the TurboGrafx-16. I forgot about Splatterhouse. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. And didn't didn't the TurboGrafx-16, isn't that the one that had had a CD? It was a CD-ROM, wasn't it? They had that, and they had a, uh, there was a CD-ROM attachment to it. Yeah, there was an attachment, but the uh, cartridges actually looked like credit cards. Yeah. They're, they're flat and uh, very much like a credit card, only with kind of the pins on the bottom side. It was like a like, yeah, it was like a big version of an SD card right now. Yeah, you just slide them into the slot and hope that uh, everything would like mine didn't work very well. It's like sex with Pat. You know what? <laughs> one that one game that I always wanted to get, but I never did. Darkwing Duck for the TurboGrafx-16. Yeah, I don't think, because I'm pretty sure I got mine in a garage sale, because this was years after, because Super Nintendo, with all of the, like, Final Fantasy games in my NES, I was a diehard Nintendo fanboy. I had Nintendo Power subscription, like, for the first six oh, years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had Nintendo cereal, like, I ate, breathed, <laughs> slept Nintendo until I bought my PlayStation oh. 1, and when I first bought a PlayStation, I felt like I was betraying Mario. Aww. Like he'd he'd been there for me all this time, and the, it was the first non Nintendo console that I owned, and I, I felt that buying a console from someone who wasn't Nintendo was this betrayal. And afterwards, I eventually got over that and bought at a garage sale, got the Turbo Graphics sixteen, and got my uh, Atari twenty six hundred of my own. But nice. yeah, why you betray me, Josh? <laughs> that was a- <laughs> why is he Jamaican? <laughs> That's so, different. Super Nintendo. <laughs> PlayStation 1. We're going that for then because that was 1996 when I got my PlayStation 1 because I remember that was the year we got married. That was yeah, crazy. We, we didn't we didn't last very long though. Yeah, no. all four of us in a big ceremony. It was, yeah. I laughed, I cried. <laughs> that was awkward all around. It PlayStation was. 1, the first game I got was Kane. Uh, Legacy of Kane. Oh. That was PS1? That was PS1. <laughs> That was the first because I remember I went to this. Uh, I bought it. I bought my first PlayStation when we were still living down in Georgia, and I got the Legacy of Cain game where you played the vampire trying to avenge. And I actually I have, still have the T-shirt that I won online an online contest for that game. It says it's great. It's got the Legacy of Cain logo on the front, and on the back it has kind of like that stylized vampire face, and it says um, Eternal Damnation gives you a long time to plot your revenge, which I wear whenever I want to mess with my fundamentalist neighbors. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, or if you're mad at Susie, nah, she doesn't. At this point, she doesn't care anymore. She's just like, whatever. What does that man. mean? <laughs> whatever. So the play- PS One for me was the system of Final Fantasy Seven VII and Eight in a lot of ways. Chrono Trigger. 
That was mine. Was Chrono Trigger on? Not, Chrono Trigger was SNES, I thought. No. Well, it was on SNES, but it also I came out know. on PlayStation 1. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. PlayStation yeah, 1, I think, was an amazingly huge step up just for the fact that it was on CDs. Sure. I mean, I mean, one of my favorite games on the system required you to use music CDs. It was a game called Monster Rancher. Oh, my God. I remember that. That is the I only reason that. I bought the Spice Girl CD is because the Spice Girl CD gave you a rare monster. Yes. There were specific CDs that were popular in the year uh, Monster Rancher was released that gave you unique monsters that could only be uh, harvested if you put that audio CD in when you tried to birth a monster. God, I remember that game. I forgot about it, though. Don't say birth. I did, too. I remember it. Yeah, I mean, the game was awesome, and there was, like, a ridiculous... It gave gave Mike a great excuse to be able to buy the Spice Girls up. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) You dick. (laughs) No, it's... uh, I just borrowed my brother's. Um... Uh, it's huh. funny because it's true. No, uh, PlayStation 1, I mean, I remember standing in the store with cash in hand and going, Atari, uh, Sega Saturn or PlayStation 1. And still a little part of me wishes that I could have, I would have bought the Sega Saturn. Just because I, I know. I don't remember what that was. Oh, Saturn had a lot of really good niche games that you wouldn't have liked, but I would have loved. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Kayaking. No, I mean like, like Knights. Algebra 2, Math of Revenge. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> Josh, what was your PlayStation games? You uh, said Final Fantasy? Mostly Final Fantasy and Monster Rancher. Those those were the big... I mean, adventuring with Cloud, uh, fighting against Sephiroth. Uh, I'm glad that those games are on Steam again, because actually they graphically did not age well, but the stories they told were so awesome. Except uh, one of my greatest heartbreaks of the PS1 era was my save for Final Fantasy VII. I'd gotten all the way to the end of the last disc. I was using a janky third-party memory card to to put my saves. Yeah. I had just finished breeding the ultimate Chocobo so I could get all of the, like, best stuff on on the islands that you could only reach with the golden Chocobo. And my crappy uh, third-party memory card died and took all of my saves with it. Wah, wah. To this day, as much of a Final Fantasy fanatic as I am, I have never beaten Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, it was hard for me to just go back and it was like because I lost basically like forty-five hours of gameplay. Man, it makes you want a chocobo. <laughs> <laughs> is Wayne is Wayne Brady gonna have to chocobo? See, that's something else that I wanted to bring up about the PlayStation 1. It introduced the memory card, which I think is honestly one of the best inventions of uh, gaming. And sources of, of many sleepless crying nights by a lot of nerds. Yeah. Well, I mean, for this okay, for this one reason, I also am a fa- Final Fantasy geek. Now, here's the thing. When you got rented Final Fantasy or Final Fantasy 2 or whatever from the NES, you go to the store, you rent it, you play the game, you can put in so many hours as you can for the five days that you have it or seven days or whatever. And then you have to return it. And then you have to pray that nobody else checks it out. It's so true. Because they'd save over your shit. They'd save over your goddamn... Or, or if you had one that had... You had to, like, um... Uh... Uh... Castlevania that had those huge fucking codes like 64 characters long and if you screwed up one of the one of them in there it wouldn't let you play your game but you with with the introduction of the the uh, memory card you can go rent a game play it and you didn't have to worry about your save anymore and that alone was amazing to me because I love Final like Final Fantasy 1 played that sucker to death had to return it somebody fucking not only did I always saved on like slot 3 sure that, you know go all the way down to the bottom 
no one's going to save on slot three. Some motherfucker, excuse me. <laughs> Same idea. <laughs> it's like, I'll Shit. just put it on slot three. I won't save over anybody's game, and they won't save over mine. Right. No, some asshole erased the whole friggin' thing. Oh, All three. All right, so I'm done with my rant. <laughs> <laughs> How's it feel? It feels great. <laughs> Oh, you were MRT? Yeah. You f- oh, I'm driving out there right now. <laughs> uh, while Mike drives over to murder Joel, I think we'll take a break. <laughs> I think we should, too. But before we leave, I want to say one thing. Somebody yeah. needs to get on a road ra- Uh, Josh, what's a motorcycle game? Road, road rash? rash? Road Rash. I want a Road Rash remake. That's all right. All. I'll start working on it. I'll have it done by the end of the break. Right on. <laughs> See you in a little bit. Hello, everybody. We are back from our watering hole break. Whereas we either got water or put water in the hole. I did both. I don't know what that means. But we are, I'm not sure we need to go down this tunnel. Yeah, we don't want to go down this road. We did that earlier, but... Uh, uh, <laughs> not in the bed. Not no, in the bed. Now I have to get it scotch guarded. Um, so video games. Yes. In the year 2000-ish, PlayStation 2 came out. I know this because I work. It was huge, and literally I, like yeah. 10, 10 pounds. No, no you're thinking of the Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> oh right. And um, PlayStation Two coming out was a huge thing, and I worked for Wizards of the Coast at this time. But I'm but wait, I'm getting ahead of myself because be, before the PlayStation Two, there was the Sega Dreamcast. I think we talked about the Dreamcast, didn't we? No, no. we didn't. No, we, we didn't, did not. My first online accessible game system. It had a browser. It had it had NFL 2K online games. It also had Power Stone four player beat 'em up, which is an awesome game, and the UMVs, mm-hmm. little little memory units that had uh, little LCD screens on them. That while while you were playing, like say you uh, NFL 2K, you could look down at the screen and the controller. You would have dug this, Pat, and see the plays that you wanted to run. On the controller, so nobody else could see him. I remember that. And it had a clipboard that came with it you could cover your mouth with, and you were going to call the plays. <laughs> That's not true. No. But you, I remember you bought that when you moved into the apartment uh, in Oak Park, right? Yeah. That, yeah. that was, the, that was the, the teaser from last week. I got on the bus, and I rode the bus down to, which was, it wasn't the hip. It was the other one. You sure it wasn't the hip? No, it wasn't the hip. I went south. North Riverside. The sip? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got at Funko Land at North Riverside. I had my Dreamcast reserved. I went there, bought that, along with a copy of Power Stone, and then took the bus back home, in which was possibly one of the most terrifying rides of my life. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm so getting mugged. Got home, loaded it up, and it was amazing. Did you get mugged? No. Thankfully, I didn't. But the Dreamcast, honestly, is, you know, people people fondly talk about how awesome the Dreamcast was. And I do believe that if it had had more support on the software side, it would have been an amazing system. Because you had uh, Power Stone, you had, oh, God, <laughs> Josh, what was, what was the other one? With the Power fight, Stone. Pi, the fighter. <laughs> no, there was another fighter with the swords. <laughs> Um, um, I don't really remember a whole lot about this system. I mean, th- the reason we're struggling to remember games is because there weren't very many. Uh, one, one of my favorites was a game called Zombie Revenge, which was a little bit uh, obscure. No, Zombie Revenge was great. Um, 
Dreamcast, Sonic Adventure, Shenmue, Crazy Taxi, Jet Set Radio, Soul Calibur, Resident Evil Code Veronica, Skies of Arcadia, Power Stone, Shenmue 2, Power Stone 2, Choo Choo Rocket, Quake 3 Arena Online, Space Channel 5. I mean, it had a lot of really crazy-ass games on there, like Samba del Amigo, which had Maraca controllers. And yeah, you- I mean... I don't know. I think one of the problems is we're already at the point where when people are talking about the console wars heating up, the console war between Sega and Nintendo is over and Nintendo is very clearly won. Mm -hmm. This is their last gasp of a dying breath and people aren't really paying attention to Sega anymore. They're looking forward to the PlayStation 2 and they're talking about the next generation whether it's going to be Nintendo or Sony coming out on top. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's sad because there were actually a lot of really good... I mean, you want to talk about quirky games like Sama del Amigo and Seaman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was waiting for to get it out. <laughs> yeah, Seaman was a... Was a... a weird-ass game. Virtual fish. Surprise. Imagine one of those fish that has a little antenna coming out the front, but it's voiced by Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, it had a human face. Yeah, and would insult your mother. It was weird. To say it was a weird game is putting it really lightly. Uh, Legacy of Kane, Soul Reaver, Metropolis Street Racer, um, Sword of the Berserk, Typing of the Dead, because it had that keyboard attachment, which I still have. (laughs) I remember that, but not for that reason. It had uh, Ikaruga, which is one of the best um, bullet hell games you've ever played. Oh, Ikaruga was good. Yeah. Best what kind of game? Bullet Bullet Hell. What's that mean? style of shooter, usually a side-scroller from left to right where the screen keeps moving and you've got a ship, but the... uh, it's called Bullet Hell because at most of the intense moments, you have the screen almost literally filled with projectiles that, depending on the style of game, either a couple of hits will kill you or even sometimes one hit will kill you. Mm-hmm. But the thing huh. is is that the bullets come out in a serious pattern, so there's a lot of memorization going through the whole thing. Yeah. Now, one of the things, one of the games that did come out of this that was amazing was Marvel vs. Capcom and Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Um, I actually lucked out and found Marvel vs. Capcom 1 and 2 at Goodwill for 99 cents, which was freaking amazing. Um, And immediately took it home, gave it to my kids to play, which immediately my uh, one daughter started spamming uh, Cable's pistol, and then my other daughter punched her. (laughs) (laughs) So everything, everything full circle. The circle of life. And then Choo Choo Rocket, which is an amazing game where you have to put arrows down on a grid to keep mice from running into the cat's mouth mouth, so they can all jump in the spaceship and escape. Of course it is. Yeah. Choo Choo Rocket is an Sony's amazing game. Like, By the way, the PlayStation 2 is also a DVD player. Bam. Oh, what now? That would have been so... If they had gotten DVD on that goddamn thing, it, it didn't play DVDs. Josh? What? No, I was the PS2. The PS2 most certainly did play DVDs. No, no, no. I'm talking about the Dreamcast. No, that's the problem. Yeah, I know, and it yeah. sucks. They got if they had gotten DVD playback on that thing, that would have been awesome. But they they waffled on it. They had internet, but nothing, nothing else. Okay, Jet Set Radio um, is amazing. Anyway, going on. I'm done. All right, so we come to the PS2, which, as I said. Launched with full DVD capability, which is one of the reasons why it was so popular from the beginning. And it continued the trend of, like, strong exclusive titles. 
um, that Nintendo also had as well. I mean, Nintendo's still working on a generation behind. They've uh, already announced the GameCube, but the tech specs are coming out, and people can see that the GameCube is clearly, one, one, it's not a DVD player, and two, it's not going to be technically anywhere near as impressive as the PS2. The GameCube? No, yeah. but see, I mean, it's another one of those situations where it wasn't technically as impressive as PlayStation 2, but you, if you were totally into the games, you had some awesome shit. And that's the thing, is like PlayStation 2 launched, um, US launch was October 26, 2000. I was working for Wizards of the Coast at the time. We had a huge line around the corner of our store, like 50 feet long of people waiting to get the PlayStation 2 that we apparently had. We oh, got, wow. Yeah, we had two of them. <laughs> One of which I promised to my aunt for my cousin for her for Christmas. So they weren't getting that one. Duh. What are they going to do? Um, so we sold the first one, and then I had to tell 49 people, sorry, we don't have any more. And then went downstairs and yelled at GameStop. Or what was it called at that time? Not Game Crazy. Game Start. Help me, Josh. What was it called then? I have no idea. I... Uh, I don't think it's important the discussion, though. Anyway, so uh, the thing is, with the U.S. launch of the uh, of the uh, PlayStation Two, it had actually some really good games. Uh, most notably for me was DOA Two, Dead on DOA Two Hardcore. Okay, yeah, that was probably the first one uh, I had for that system. Yeah, because my uh, brother got one. Uh, he was already married at that point, and he and his wife got one for Christmas. And we had DOA, and right when it released, we picked up Grand Theft Auto Three, mm-hmm. uh, and I, of course, religiously picked up Final Fantasy Ten and Twelve, yep. skipping Eleven at the time because it was online. And then, yeah, the Metal Gear Solid games, and I, I mean, those are kind of the pillars of uh, that system at the time. You forgot Time Splitters. Did you? Know- um, I I never cared for it, so I guess. No. Okay. Well, I liked it because you can play a monkey. <laughs> well, who wouldn't? Exactly. And then there was Fantavision, which was pretty much a fireworks simulator. Not as exciting as I don't remember as that one at all. It was kind of like um, Missile Command in reverse. What? Okay. Yeah, it wasn't very fun. But they um, had they had a lot of cool stuff for the, for the release of that one. They had Swing Away Golf. They had a Ridge Racer 5, um, Evergrace. Can't forget God of War. Oh, no, God of War? for No, that wasn't a release on PlayStation 2. 2005, it's PS2. Oh, I mean, it came out on PlayStation 2, but it wasn't a release. Oh, no, it wasn't a release title, no. But no. it was one of the huge exclusives that was a reason to own a PS2 as opposed to any other system. Yeah, and that's one of the things, like, PlayStation 2 is one of the hugest game systems out there. I mean, the, the amount of games that are made for the PlayStation 2 is just beyond comprehension. Excuse me. Ah, so. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the barriers they had when they came out with a PS3, is so many people were so deeply invested in their PS2. I, I'm pretty sure the first couple of Guitar Heroes were PS2. Mm-hmm. I know Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, like, 2 and 3 were PS2. Um, Shadow of the Colossus. You've got all these games that right now are looked back at this kind of third generation of the truly great games when you're getting into the modern era. Mm-hmm. I've got I looked up on uh, Wikipedia. Let's have a guess around the circle. How many after they fi- stopped releasing games for it, officially stopped releasing okay. games for it? How many games were there for the PlayStation 2? Hmm. Um more than 10. 
Technically, you're correct. Okay. okay. So I'm going to guess 1300 Okay, um, Patrick? I'm going to go... Oh, oh, can I have a legit guess? Yeah, give me a legit. I'm going to say 258 Okay, Patrick? Is Patrick still here? <laughs> I don't, I don't know where he All is. All right, I'm going to say 280 now again while my mic is on. <laughs> He's been <laughs> muted this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> 280 like six times. I'm like, 280, damn it, 280. <laughs> Why are you not listening to me? <laughs> I'm doing a 280. All right. I've had all of these opinions about PlayStation 2. All right. <laughs> I said 280 before Josh said 1300. <laughs> and you're all wrong. Ready? 3,874. Oh wow. Our highest guess was almost like like you could almost multiply it by three and get there. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's I mean, insanity. Including one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen different Dynasty Warrior games. Wow. Do you need that many? No. <laughs> no, they never change. Many. No one needs that many. Di- I mean, if you look at ESPN games, there's at least 20 of them. Well, Dynasty yeah, that's Warrior something 12. a little separate where a lot of the sports games realize that for many years they could release the same game and just change the player's stats. And then every year there's a portion of the market that will buy it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that what Madden's all about? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, it's almost ritualistic for guys that play Madden to every time the new Madden comes out to stand in line, wait and sign up, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and they, you know, they all post on Facebook you know, when they buy that, their games. Because that's what it. people really want at the game stores is a bunch of uh, sports Maddeners out there. <laughs> uh, actually, the Madden customers were pretty, like, I worked at a game crazy around this time. We're talking late era, after the Xbox had already been out for a few years. But when the Madden games came out and I worked at a game crazy, what was uh, cool about it is like unlike any other fanboy the madden guys would stand in their line yeah they'd talk to each other about sports but they knew exactly what they wanted they'd walk up to the counter they'd go madden you'd hand them a madden they'd give you the money and they'd go away <laughs> <laughs> in contrast to the final fantasy people who would buy the game and then discuss why the last 18 were awesome right the, the madden guys didn't want to be in a video game store they knew exactly what they were there for and then they left which is the best customer yeah yeah so kind of like going to the porno bookstore i brought up the xbox we're ready to talk <laughs> about it a little bit well before you go into that i just want to say one of the really obscure games that i loved and play with suzanne all the time because I, I got the emulator for it and all that and bought it every time it comes out super street fighter 2 <sighs> crystal uh soup shit i just lost the name You're it's talking like, like puzzle fighter puzzle fighter yeah Yes, Puzzle Fighter. It's like take Street Fighter and Tetris and mash them together. It's a good game. It is. The bigger combos you get, the bigger combos you get on the fighting screen. So you have like Tetris on either side, on the left and far and right side. And then in the middle, you have your characters. And as you pull combos in the puzzle part of it, you pull off bigger combos in the fighting section too. Hmm. It's fun. It's interesting. Xbox. Always find a way to get that math in there. <laughs> I, I can't quit you, math. I can't. <laughs> so while everyone's uh, seeing Sega in its death throes and not impressed by Nintendo's early announcements of what was codenamed Dolphin that would become the GameCube, Microsoft is another player has entered the game where they've decided that they're going to make the Xbox based on... Basically, PC architecture, where it's going to be proprietary. 
It's going to be structured around a custom version of something not unlike Windows. It's going to have really advanced technology for the time. And it's going to be pushing the DirectX technology that you'd see in the higher-end PC games as far as it could go at the time. Uh, it's called the Xbox, partially, based on the DirectX. It's like a Direct Xbox with mm-hmm. DirectX graphics. Yep, so uh, when that came out, the the launch titles on that one were games like 4x4 Evo 2, Double Steel, which, well, that was Japan, Dead or Alive 3, which I picked up, Oddworld, Munch's Odyssey, Transworld Surf, Jet Set Radio Future, and one game that was known as Halo Combat Evolved. I was going to say, I, I was hoping you were leaving that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Although I personally am not a huge Halo fan. It is, if you're talking Xbox, you're talking Halo. You're talking Halo. Yeah, and Halo Combat Evolved, my brother bought a com- bought an Xbox for Christmas, and he got some games that were not Halo. And I came to him and I was like, look, this is the game you need to have. Trust me on this one. Fast forward three months later, we're all at his house. We have four Xboxes inter- inter-networked in different different rooms of his of my parents' house, and we f- have full-on combat uh, Halo combat parties going on, and it was great. That's one of the things I liked about the Xbox is that you get yourself a powered hub and a whole shitload of Cat Five cable, or I'm sorry, at that point Cat Four cable. Plug it in, go to town. It was a riot. Yeah, and it was interesting seeing the diehard Halo guys. I know one of the reasons why they didn't allow Halo PC and Halo console to play against each other is the same reason I don't think I ever got into that style of game is because it's very, very different controlling a first-person shooter with a controller as opposed to a mouse. Uh, And they actually tried it. And uh, unfortunately, even with the auto-aim... Uh, that the console versions have to have because of the delay in moving the targeting reticle. Mm-hmm. They took very, very good Halo players on the console and put them up against Halo players on PC who are pretty much talented amateurs, and they're just getting wrecked. Yep. Because with the mouse, you can just put the crosshairs where you are, click to shoot, and boom, you get another headshot. And I just couldn't get around the whole, like, I got to keep one stick straight to move my character and another one to place my targeting and then I can shoot with the trigger and uh, I remember we played a four on one and one guy was so good at Halo that he would have nothing but a pistol and he'd still like yeah I don't know get 18 to 20 kills for each of everybody else's one Jeez. well for any for also the uh, the pistol was majorly overpowered in the original Halo just saying sure trying to give an excuse maybe speaking of the controller the xbox controller especially the original came uh, under a lot of fire because it was so big like uh, until the s uh, controller came out uh, people were talking about the original controller as though it was some sort of toboggan or sled they called it the duke yes or the fatty yeah uh, now, let's not totally discount the GameCube on this one, because the GameCube, again, while Nintendo doesn't really you know, push the envelope as, in the way of hardware, I mean, they're not going to give you cutting-edge graphics. They do push the, push the envelope in the way of innovation. Animal Crossing oh, yeah. was Animal an amazing was game. Awesome. Uh, you, oh, you, people you, talk you, about that so weird. I don't understand the love of that game. Oh, the game is so cool, because you run your own little town, 
You have yeah. all the little characters in your town. You build your houses. You make sure that the you know the like Farmville. No, yeah, it's no, no. no. It's <laughs> different like than nothing like Farmville because farm you don't have to pay to like farm your stuff. I mean, you have other people. You 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 set up your little house and that sort of thing. And one of the coolest things is I tried this. Is well, you know, what if I just fast forwarded the clock on my GameCube to a different time? Like, save myself a whole bunch of time. Well, if you do that, then this angry mole shows up at the very beginning <laughs> and yells at you for, for cheating. Yes, Mr. Rossetti. Mr. Rossetti will give you a good stern talking to if you don't, if you don't, uh, if you don't follow the rules. Now, one of the other things that they had in the whole innovation thing of, of the GameCube is games like Legend of Zelda, The Four Swords. Where do you imagine playing Legend of Zelda with four characters all at the same time? Where you have four links running around. You also had stuff like Metroid Prime, which is an, honestly a really good step up in the Metroid uh, um, console games. Uh, Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess was kind of Bridge the Wii and um, GameCube, but it also came out, it did come out on GameCube, but Mario Kart Double Dash, where you play two players on each cart, so you can have one player driving and another player sitting in the back of the cart throwing stuff at other people, which is a lot of fun. And my personal favorite, Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. Which very good. It was so many people flipped out about this game, about, oh, it's Zelda, you know, because they changed the graphic view of the game from going for more of a, um, it, it was cell shaded. So the whole game looked like a comic book, you know, with that weird block, block shading and that sort of thing. But the game is so amazing. Yeah, the super stylized graphics on Wind Waker mean that it looks less dated than a lot of other games from that era. Like, even going back to, like, Xbox and PS2 games, a lot of them, the graphics are starting to show their age a little bit. But you look at Wind Waker, and it still looks fresh. Yeah, and, well, they just redid it for the uh, Wii U, and they updated the graphics on it. And honestly, there's, I mean, there's a change. You can see the difference, but it's not as... um astounding as when they update the graphics from other other game systems right now what was the other josh the cthulhu game that was uh eternal darkness did you ever play this one oh yes i played eternal darkness uh quite a bit uh it had sanity effects Mm -hmm. where your character would be suddenly killed and then they would roll back to show that it never happened uh they would fake something going wrong with your system losing your save or the pot where you would get a a pet you would you would really actually love this game because as you're playing through the game, you every time you see a new monster, your sanity meter goes down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get a little bit less sane every time you see a new creature. So you're kind of holding on to the sanity the whole time. And if your sanity reaches a certain level and drops below it, it gets so meta that the game starts fucking with you. Mm-hmm. So you'll, <laughs> Is this the, the one you told me about before, like a, a cockroach would crawl across yes. the screen, things like that? Yeah, yeah yes. where cockroaches that start walking across the screen, and they're really well rendered, because, and you're like, well, shit, there's a bug on my screen, I have to go <laughs> kill it. Or you would get a memory card error out of the, in the middle of the game, it's called memory card error, and it would stay up there just long enough for you to read it, walk up to the system, and start to fuck with the memory card, and then it would start playing again. Yep. <laughs> or your character would start getting really small... And then getting really big. And it would, I mean, the game itself tried to mess with your head while you were playing with it. I, I think That's most cool. of most of my time on the GameCube was either spent playing Animal Crossing, uh, Eternal Darkness, uh, 
then there were the uh, Japanese farming RPG sim mm-hmm. games, the Harvest Moon series, which I loved. Played the hell out of all of those. I think I still have my GameCube copy of that, even though I don't own a GameCube anymore. Yeah, and other ones like uh, Bait and Kados. Did you ever play that one? Mm-mm. It was kind of like a card-based um, RPG. Another one of the whole innovation things on the GameCube was Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. That was actually just what I was going to mention next, is that uh, my brother and I actually bought an extra... Uh, it wasn't DS at the time. It was a Game Boy Advance yeah. and the adapters, because in order to play Crystal Chronicles, each player had to have their own Game Boy Advance hooked into the uh, system because each player had a different function for the second screen. And it was an action RPG sort of gauntlet style where one player had to hold this jar that kept the poison that the world was, uh, the poison cloud that the world was wrapped in at bay while everybody else could run around and fight. And you could drop the uh, urn that kept the poison at bay, but there would just be a bubble around it. And you could fight in that bubble and someone would have to pick up the urn and keep moving again. Mm Mm-hmm. Very fun action RPG, but I never got to play it with more than two players. Yeah, I still have my connectors and my my uh, Game Boys, so... Nice. Just I think I actually might still have the connectors in a Game Boy as well, even though I don't have the, adva- uh, the uh, GameCube anymore. All right. So, should we move on to PlayStation 3? So, moving from this, uh, from that first modern generation to what we would call last-gen systems, the PS3 and the Xbox 360, I think in a lot of ways... This is where the systems start to blend into one another, where your decision on which one you're going to buy is more based on the exclusives and less based on anything else. Mm -hmm. In this generation, the PS3 had the technical advantage, and it had some great exclusives. But in a lot of ways, the Xbox 360 trumped it in online accessibility with Xbox Live. Uh, where PlayStation 3 was still trying to struggle to figure out how they were going to launch PlayStation Home and what that was going to mean. Well, I own a 360 and a PlayStation 3. And initially, when I first got them, my Xbox 360 was my game system of choice. And I was always on the 360. I was always playing Halo. I was always playing um, Fable, all sorts of games on the 360. But as it seems, I have slowly transitioned to playing PlayStation 3 more often than the 360 now. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Um, part of it has to do with the fact that I got the uh, PlayStation. I was going to sound like a commercial, but PlayStation Plus. <laughs> because if, one of the things I did, well, here's how I got my PlayStation 3, which is kind of a cool, you know, funny story. Because my father-in-law, whom you all know, came by to visit one day and said, hey, your garage is full of shit. I <laughs> said, yeah, it is. And he said, you know what? I bet you 500 bucks that you can't get your garage cleaned up by the time I get back from my fishing trip, which was a week from now. And I said, what the hell? I can't. <laughs> you know, if the, sure, no problem. So then I cleaned out my garage, which involved the whole day of me coming out to my front yard and telling people, no, I'm not having a garage sale. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then funny. cleaned it up. He's like, put the car in there. And he got back from his, his, uh, his uh, fishing trip, and he wrote me a check. Here you go, man. I've, I honor my bets. 500 bucks. Here you go. Then I went out and bought a PlayStation 3 and got the uh, God of War series version that came with all all the uh, God of War games in one. Um, but I one of the things that I like about the PlayStation 3 between the 360 is, one, the online ability of the three, a PlayStation 3 is actually much better because of PlayStation Plus. 
you get a free game or games every month from them. It's 50 bucks a year, and I've gotten games like uh, Borderlands 2, uh, Batman, uh, Arkham Asylum, and you, you get like l- last year or last six-month games from them. Now, when Xbox 360 saw that PlayStation was getting a lot of traction on this, they were like, hey, we can do that. Here, uh, we'll give you um, Texas Hold'em Poker from 2006. Yeah, but they've gotten more competitive about that. They've gotten better about it. I don't really have any sort of brand loyalty to either. Uh, While I didn't buy any of the current gen systems, because I finally done what Pat did way back in the early 90s and gone to pretty much PC only, if I were to buy a new console tomorrow, it probably would be the PS4, basically because they have sorted out some of the issues with online. And now it feels like... Uh, in some ways, uh, Microsoft and the Xbox is kind of backwards and playing catch up. Mm-hmm. It really does. There was one point or another between the PlayStation and the PlayStation 4 where they just vaulted themselves ahead of them. Now, of yeah, course, there, that's fair. There was also the whole fiasco with the Xbox One and the um, the camera, the whole thing that came that happened. The Connect, yeah, the Connect, where they're like, "Oh, you can't." Here's the Connect. It's going to watch you all the time. Well, yeah. it kind of does. You ha- basically have this attachment that most people didn't want that added 100 bucks to the price of the system. And basically, unless you threw a towel over it, you couldn't stop it from watching you. Yeah. That, that's not something people wanted. Now, Patrick's Xbox One cries to itself in the corner. Because <laughs> he's like, well, I mean, I, the, thing, the thing about it is, I mean, I was actually talking uh, to somebody about this the other day about, you know, uh, the way privacy is seen nowadays. And it's like, it's it's kind of an older concept. Like you have to be like you know twenty five or older to to really have a have have privacy be something that's that's like important to you because there's a there's a the new wave of teenagers and younger and such they don't they don't care that something tracks them and knows within a foot and a half of where they are at any given moment. It's like I mean being tracked is nothing to them because there are cameras everywhere, their phones track them everywhere. So it's like I mean it, it's it's, it's something nature. that is actually going to be in the future. You know, where it's not going to be a big deal. But, I mean, you know, people that can afford to buy a $500 or $400 game are the ones that don't want to be tracked. <laughs> yep. Right. And then, of course, you have uh, the Wii and the Wii U, which I think we can kind of, in some ways, bundle into the same thing while de- describing the differences. Where Nintendo, again, is like, we're not going to compete on technology. We're going to compete on innovation. So with the Wii, you've got uh, the first big motion controller, which Nintendo, by the time they had explored that entire design space, both Microsoft and Sony attempted to do motion controllers, and Nintendo was already off onto the new thing, which is like 3D in a handheld. Mm-hmm. Which is and, pretty and the amazing cool. thing is that technology has now been used in so many ways for the betterment of, of society in general. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, amputees have. I mean, the, the the way that they have used that for to to help out amputees and, and and their communication, their ability to use hands, feet, whatever. You know, with that, it's amazing what they could do now. Now yeah, I'm just, just based t- off the Wii technology. My now here's one of the things about the Wii is that it brought a lot of people that wouldn't normally play video games into video games. Yes. As such, my in-laws, <laughs> which all once again, all of you have met them. Yes, they have mm-hmm. a Wii. My father-in-law's favorite game is the cow racing game that's on Wii Sports. What? <laughs> there's, a, there's a game where you've got, and now granted there's some fishing games where he's totally into too, but this is the weird one where he you, you're riding a cow 
and you have to tilt the controller left and right to get around the <laughs> obstacles while you're riding a cow. Oh and he is um, and like almost like um, he's amazingly good at this, and I don't understand why. Because <laughs> I mean, there must be a point in his life where he was like, "Okay, this that's from my old cow racing days." But <laughs> it's it. But the thing is, it got them into games, and it kind and they got the Wii Fit also, and it kind of legitimized me to them. Okay, does that I make sense? That. Yeah, where they're playing these games, and he's playing. You know, you know, he's like, oh, well, I don't know why you're playing these games on your handheld, or I'm playing a Game Boy game or a Vita game or whatever. And he's like, but then he'll sit there for forty five minutes and race a cow. Yeah, right. You know, it's like he's like, no, you know, I, they they get it now, and that's one of the things about Nintendo is that not so much that they they I don't say they aim for the lowest common denominator, but they're accessible. They're sure m- they're attacking on a different. They know that they've lost the core gamer to great graphics and awesome hardware and these exclusives, especially as the gamers that are coming to those core systems are more interested in hyper-realistic, violent shooters, fighters, etc. They've kind of left Mario behind as a childish thing. And they're like, well, if you find Mario childish, we're going to sell it to kids and to their parents and to their grandparents who might like a, a tennis game. Yeah. I mean, one of the things we do every time we get together with the in-laws, we play Wii Bowling. Yeah. Now, oh, it's ne- a great game. It is a great game. Now, next time I go down, I'm going to bring down Bayonetta 2 and see how they like that. But um, <laughs> And the dancing game is, is really, really fun at parties, too. I mean, Josh, thank you for acknowledging Bayonetta 2. I, um, I thought that was funny, yes. Okay. So, yeah, the dancing game is awesome also. I mean, that's one of the things that I, you know, when, like, I actually just took the girls out yesterday and got them Just Dance 2015. Because for the well for the 360 because we've got the the connect and the reason they like it is the reason they wanted it because it had Yulvis's what does the fox say on it oh boy <laughs> so I mean and but there's the thing is that Nintendo is in an innovator but they're not as innovator and in, in pushing the edge of technology they're an innovator of accept, getting people that don't normally play games into games. Well, and making incredibly fun games that are fun for your whole family. So it's not just a system where you're on by yourself playing online with your friends with your headset on. You got your whole family in the room and you're playing a game together. Right. Yeah, and they do know that they can every couple of years come out with a new Mario, a new Zelda, a new Metroid, a new Super Smash Brothers and a new Mario Kart. And I'll buy and- it. Everyone's going to buy it who wants those games. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm also going to be the one that's out there buying the new Xenoblade and the new Last Story and, you know, those weird uh, JRPGs and that sort of thing. But uh, one of the things that they also did and uh, has just recently come over in the last couple of years is things like Skylanders and Disney Infinity. Now, Joel, you have kids that play that and I have kids that play that. And holy crap, what a money-making machine. Well, I mean... I, I, I don't get me started. I, we have it for the 360, but you know, multi-platform collectible game. And here's the funny thing: I uh, was just talking with a friend of mine about this the other day because he's like, he knew that my kids were into Disney Infinity and Skylanders. Like that's all they play, that or Minecraft. And um, he <laughs> he was talking about how every time he goes out, he buys two of each character: one that he keeps in the box for his own personal collection that he has on a shelf, and then one to play with. So yep. right there, you spent between twenty and thirty dollars on the character, one character, let alone the cost of the game and every other character you buy. I mean, I look at the the, the characters that we have here on a sitting on a shelf, and there's like a hundred bucks sitting there, you know, with ten characters. Mm-hmm. 
And I mean, that's just one family and that's just one row of characters. That doesn't count all the other ones that are tucked away. And every time they come out with a new one, there's a variation on it. So it becomes a collectible issue. It's not that different character. They're just a different paint job or some other variation. Different ability. Yeah. Now the Marvel... I'm sorry. I was just going to say Nintendo's gotten into that recently with the Amiibos where they've got their classic characters. There will be a Link and a Mario, and they're starting to get into the premium variants Mm -hmm. where you'll get the metallic Mario. And you can actually uh, set up a Super Smash Brothers fighting game and have your Amiibos as the other players. And they play the character that is themselves and they level up and get better at the game. Yeah. Well, the other interesting thing about it that I didn't realize until I started until I started playing it myself is that you can play, let's say, Skylanders. You can play it through with a couple characters and and play it and have fun. But if you truly want to enjoy all the aspects of the game, you have to have a character from each one of the character types. And if you have different characters within those character types, you can get even more things out of it. So to really get everything out of the game that you want to get, you have to collect all the characters or at mm-hmm. least a good chunk of them. I have a hundred different Disney Infinity characters, but they're all Prisons Jasmine and uh, Black Widow. <laughs> and I put them all around me. <laughs> That's a creepy. Wait, what? <laughs> I so like, except I've got a Brave in there, too, and a Maleficent. I like it rough. Maleficent. Anyway. No, I mean, it, it's, it, it, it makes me happy. Joel wants the my- horns. It makes me happy because my, you know, because my kids are into it and they love it and it's it's fun. It's creative, especially the uh, the toy box on Infinity. You know, it, it's kind of like Minecraft, but you're building your own little fun levels, and so I can get behind that and I can play it with them. You know. Yeah. Now, shall we step up to current gen? Yeah, I'd like to hear from Patrick since he's the one who's got uh, an Xbox One. What would you um, like to hear? <laughs> Your impressions? What do you think? <laughs> um, I love it. Uh, I still suck at it. I've tried playing. I rented some games on Xbox. I tried playing some of the other games I bought that I still haven't even played. And I've just come to the conclusion that I'm really, really not good at console games, but they're just so fun. I don't care. <laughs> um, so what my are you reaction playing? time is shit, but it also could just be because I'm a giant pothead. And I don't know how to play the game sober. See, you know what you need to do? You need to go out and get Dragon Age Inquisition. What is that? Um, the It's a an RPG. Yeah, I don't know that I'd jump right into the third game in the series, though. Can he get the other ones, though? On Steam. Oh, uh, well, see, that's computer. You know what You know what else I'm liking about? That one is Far Cry 4. I really want to play that just for the alternate endings. Sure. Pat, have you heard about this game? I heard about I, it, I but I, I didn't. Yeah. I, okay. I, I didn't want to rent one that was going to be like episodic where I would like get, you know. No, five, Far Cry 4 is a completely different story from the other one. But the thing is that the developers are really getting into the different stories. Now, like Far Cry 4, the whole, the whole premise is you're bringing your mother's ashes to this country and she wants them scattered along, you know, wherever. Okay, so now in the very beginning, you meet the uh, megalomaniacal uh, ruler of this land. He is a despot. He's just got everything under his thumb. Now, he talks to you for a while, and then he gets up and he says, wait here, I'll be right back. Now, as you're waiting, the game gives you clues to maybe you should get the hell out of there. And yeah, it, and when you do, the game starts rolling. You know, they go hunting you. Where did he go? And the whole thing starts, and you play the whole game. But if you sit there, and don't move for 15 minutes. 
He comes back and he says, okay, thanks for waiting. Let's get your mom's ashes. I'll fly you out to where you wanted. she wants her ashes dumped. Well, on my helicopter, we'll dump her ashes there and then you can go home. And then, and you, then do- you do. Game over. Yeah. <laughs> and, really? Yes. Yep. And it's amazing. <laughs> the fact that they did that is so awesome because, you know, there's one person that you're like, okay, well, there's you know, they're talking. I'm going to put my controller down and go get a drink. And then you sit there long enough and suddenly he's just like, hey, yeah, cool. Let's go do this. All right. Thanks a lot for coming. If you have a good trip home or Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor. There's another good one for you. Well, I have um, Rise, Son of Rome, uh, Dead Rising, and, of course, the WWE game, and that's the one I play the most. Yeah. Nice. Um, and the, the, the main thing about the WWE game is you have to hit this button to reverse things, and, like, that's the broken mechanic of the game. If you don't master reversing, you're just basically going to get your ass kicked every single time you play yeah. because you can't take control of the other wrestler until you reverse one of his moves. And if first one to punch just takes control if you don't know how to reverse. <laughs> Yikes. So reverse, do you know, reverse. Do you know how to reverse? I'm, I've gotten a lot better at it, but I'm still not as good as I want to be because I still want to throw the controller across the room every now and then. Yeah. Well, that's just because of the way you play a game. I mean, we've all seen it. Yeah. So, so Josh. Oh, yeah, because I'm actually... I've been told I'm funny to watch because I stand up and I walk around the room while I'm playing and I'm like moving all around. Well, and you contort your face into very yeah. Well, now I've, shapes. I've, I've bumped it up to contorting my whole body around now. Nice. Yeah. At so least during the yoga. Josh, what's what in in the most recent video game series? What would be your favorite? Let's say 2000 on. You have a series of games. What's your favorite? Man, that's. That's a difficult question for someone who plays as many games as I do. I know that's why I asked you specifically, because I think you and I are running neck and neck on the amount of games that we play. Oh, oh yeah, I'm sure. I don't know. You have I a mean, job. Pat and I are yes, true. We're a bit more <laughs> casual. Fuck you. <laughs> um, I wish I didn't have a job. No, I take that back. No. No. <laughs> yeah. What? No, nope. Not You've saying that. Through that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Wow. I mean, I come back to the classics. Uh, all the time. Uh, I will return for another episode of Final Fantasy. Uh, I am uh, a fan all the way through of the Fallout games from the original on PC to New Vegas that was on both console and PC. Uh, as I kind of said earlier, uh, it's been a while. I think my last new console was a Wii. Um, because I found myself not playing with the Xbox 360. Hmm. Uh, so I'm trying to think of games that are also on console and not just on PC, because that's kind of where my headspace is at now. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Dragon Age series. Uh, I was made very uh, sad when uh, the Bioware games were taken over by Electronic Arts, a company that I did not have a whole lot of respect for. Mm, that's another show altogether. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, they did a humble bundle and they gave all of the uh, proceeds to charity. And that was enough for me to say, OK, well, if there's any action a company can take to have me reverse my decision on uh, basically a boycott, if anything could possibly be good enough, uh, giving away a bunch of their games for a cheap price and then taking all of the proceeds and donating it to charity, that's a pretty good start. Yeah. So what's your favorite? I don't know. I've been stalling. <laughs> <laughs> like That was awesome. You haven't answered my question. No, I have not. I was hoping you didn't notice. 
All right. Um, well, let's. You think about it some more, Joel. What about you, man? Yes. My what? Your favorite favorite um, series of games. Series? Yeah. Oh. Like if you were to say like like someone might say, I lo- oh god, I love Halo games, or I love Madden. See, I, I haven't played a series of games since Super Mario Brothers. Well, there you go. I mean, so I guess it has to be that. Although I'm I'm really interested in Battlefield Hardline, but no, I mean, yeah, I'd have to go, go with Mario, I guess. Yeah. Cool, Patrick. The WWE games. Loving definitely. the wrestling games. Yeah. Yeah. They're fun. Josh, still thinking? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to narrow it down. There's, I, I love the Elder Scrolls games a lot. Uh, oh up yeah, through Skyrim. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm. Ne- I did not get in on the Elder Scrolls Online after messing with it a little bit. Uh, it seemed to fail at both being an MMORPG and an Elder Scrolls game. Um, I always play the Assassin's Creeds when they come out. Uh, I'm certain that as soon as it comes to PC, uh, I will be staying uh, up to date with uh, Grand Theft Auto. I mean, I guess if I have to pick one, I, it might. It's rough because, like, Dragon Age, the first Dragon Age was so awesome, but the second one was kind of mediocre. So yeah. I probably have to go with uh, one of the open world games, either Assassin's Creed or uh, Grand Theft Auto. Hmm. I wouldn't have Grand guessed Theft Auto that. Grand Theft Auto is pretty awesome. I mean, despite the fact that um, I'd say, I don't know, 80% of the games I play are RPGs, uh, yeah, the open world games when it comes to a series are the ones I'm always going to check out because I don't I've missed a couple of Final Fantasies. Uh, the Mass Effect has had its problems. Dragon Age has had its problems. But uh, the, the open world exploration games, uh, I think, are what really do it for me. Cool. I've got a little quirkier sense of humor. Let's see. Hey, Josh, can you give me a guess of what you think what my favorite one is? I know what it is. What do you think? Borderlands. You're right. Oh, okay. I can see that. Those, that's a very good series of games. Yeah. I mean, it's a first-person shooter. I mean, what what I do like about it is the loot and the ridiculousness of the sense of humor that's in all the games. I mean, right now I'm playing the pre-sequel, and it's a lot of fun. You know, the zero gravity and, you know, the you know the whole um, here we are exposing, you know, where the source material is for everybody and that sort of thing. Um, this sec- coming a close second is uh, Saints Row. Mm, interesting. Which is, I could see that. It's a, it's a little bit more uh, wacky of a take on the Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, I mean, it's because the original Saints Row, originally, when it came out, it was kind of like, oh, we're just, you know, we're Grand Theft Auto, that sort of thing. But it it was just a little bit stranger. And as, Grand, you know, Saints Row 2 made a little bit stranger, 3 got kind of weird. Well, th- yeah, 3 is where it starts to turn into a cartoon. Yeah, 3 starts, to, yeah, literally, because you have, you're have you playing in these, you have these guys dressed up as cats and all that. By the time Saints Row 4 comes around, for some reason or another, this little homegrown gang leader has now become president of the United States and is now fighting off an alien invasion. And it just is so full-on ridiculousness that I love it. I mean, and there are some games, I mean, granted, I'm playing Shadow of the Colossus with the kids. You know, I'm I'm playing with them and that sort of thing. We're playing, we're playing. Um, oh, what's the other one by them, Josh? Eco. Eco. Yeah. You know, I have my fair share of games that I love, like Eco and the Shadow of the Colossus, which are just like legendary, like awesome games, or even stuff like Res, which is the old school shooter mixed in with a techno beat type thing, where you know that's 
that came out. But I mean, if I'm going to come home from work and I need to just unwind, it's either Saints Row or, or Borderlands. So I just wish the Aliens games would get a little bit better. Yeah, me too, because I keep getting excited about the next one that comes out, and then I hear it's crap. Well, Alien Isolation is supposed to be really good. So, Yeah, I, just looking at what I've been playing recently, uh, I guess if you're going to call Dark Souls and Demon Souls uh, a series, I, I've put a lot of time in on that. Uh, lately, I've actually been playing a lot of Pac-Man Championship Edition. Nice. Uh, I'm in currently on the global leaderboards in the top 5% of scores in the world. Wow. That yeah, is I, fucking impressive. Yeah, I've had uh, my wife come in and watch me play. She's like, you're really good at this, aren't you? I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my ranking is in the like top 2,000 of like 500,000 players. Yes, thank you. Stop talking to me. <laughs> yeah, need, need, need to eat the pills. <laughs> all right so guys you think we've milked this cow now let's go ride it right on all right so what's up for next week gentlemen next week we're going a little retro in our technology we're going back to choose your own adventure yes we're revisiting a topic which we've touched on a couple of times and actually the first like episode zero of 40 going on 14 was uh in a lot of ways about these games uh, Mm -hmm. about these games slash books yeah it was me and josh uh initially uh the i guess negative uh episode of uh 40 going on 14 was me and Josh talking about choose your own adventure books and fighting fantasy game books and all sorts of cool stuff. So uh, next week we are going to be reading up on our uh, choose your own adventure. And if you like this topic to if you please like, turn, turn the, page the page next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A very negative episode. We're all focused on Lee Strasberg. If you don't, I'm Lee Strasberg and I hate this episode. <laughs> so choose your own adventure next week. Sound good? Sounds good. And if you'd like to choose other adventures or episodes of our shows, you can always find us on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe, other fine podcasting directories, or Saturdays at noon on Geek Life Radio. That's right. And if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Or you can get us on Twitter at at 40go14, or visit us on our home on Facebook at 40go14, 40going14, look for us there, or 40go14 at dot com and uh get all our episodes and blog posts there all righty word now i want to go play a game but i gotta be up early i'm gonna go read a book this is not entertaining we should we should go goodbye folks have a good night good night misa go bye-bye all right let's go jar jar you are now leading the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. That's pretty sad that your two best impressions are that fucking robot from Star Crash and Jar Jar Binks. Hey there, Jar Jar. What do you say we go on an adventure? Misa, go on adventure. <laughs> the worst Sammy fucking Davis Jr. I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I think I broke Pat.